This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Our goal is to win, for Christ's sakes. And you keep talking about the CBT. You keep talking about prospects and your long-term goal. Like, you just basically told us we ain't good enough. We suck. You let us down. Angry Lou. Angry Lou. A hole the size of I don't even know what in that bullpen. Keep playing like dog Great call by manager Lou. Go get me a goddamn first baseman. That's what I want. I don't want an outfielder D8. I need a first baseman. Okay, Lou, I'll ask you something. What? How do you go into the season without a closer? How do you not address... The closest situation. Lou, what's up, Bill? Good, how are you doing? Good. Well, it's always great to have you here, Lou. Ah, the remnants of last trade deadline. <laughs> I don't even know if it was that. It might have been week one with our friend Lou Maloney. The voice of baseball in Boston is with us on the Harbor One Hotline. Lou Maloney brought to us by Shaw's and Star Market, where you can win free groceries in their Grand Slam Summer Sweepstakes. Lou, good afternoon, friend. How are you? I am great. I just birdied five. I'm now even far. So we're flying. Right? <laughs> All right. Feeling good about ourselves. Uh, yeah, really good. Your thoughts on uh, not only the trade deadline, but also Heim Bloom using the word underdog when talking about this team. Yeah, well, first off, I mean, I was I was surprised. Like everybody else, they didn't go get a starter. Like everybody else, you know, and I mean everybody. Yeah, everybody thought in that clubhouse, following this team, people around baseball. I mean, you got to go get a starter. You know, it's like I know you get guys coming back, but you know, you got to get somebody now to go five innings to set this bullpen. I don't want Schreiber, you know, being an opener. I don't want Berardino being an opener. I want them coming in when they should be coming in, in the seventh and eighth inning. And to be honest with you, I think it's already cost you a game because you had a stretch driver out in the seventh because you didn't have anybody like available in the eighth. But uh, the underdog thing to me was just him really focusing on the odds, you know, of because he had, I, I was in that Zoom meeting and I was amazed within the first two or three minutes how many times he had mentioned that we're on the outside looking in. We're currently not a playoff team. How it's going to, you know, the odds are against us. And it was just, this is kind of the attitude that he had. But I think that had more to do with just the mathematical odds. And But still, they'll use it. You guys know they will. We'll see how it goes. What did you think of uh, Brian O'Halloran following up 
Heim's questionable uh, description of the trade deadline with the idea that there weren't really a lot of impact players traded. Yeah, I disagree with that. <laughs> I mean, I don't, you know, Verlander's not an impact player. Like, Scherz is not an impact player. Like, some of the closers aren't impact players. Like, um, you know, big bats, well, they moved. Bellinger wasn't moved. Um, so maybe if he's talking about bats, but this team didn't need bats. This team needed arms, right? And like I said, I mean, they, and that's probably the one solace that they have, I think, as an organ, as a group in there, is that they know they're getting some arms back and that nobody else was traded, which I think takes the sting off, I think, compared to, say, last year or the year before. Are you buying the the Verlander, you know, hey, we were close type talk? I don't know. That feels, it feels like chum to the water for the fan sharks out there. Yeah, I don't think so. I'm not really buying that. I think the biggest thing for me is, um, you know, that I I think Haim has always said that he's going to like, you know, look at every single path or every avenue or every possibility. So am I surprised that they checked in on him? No, I think they did. They checked on everybody, you know, and and somehow that got out to, I think it was Ken Rosenthal, but uh, how far it went, I find it hard to believe it went very far. I mean, this team's goal was to stay under. I mean, they wanted to stay under. I don't want, that's not technically the goal, but they needed to stay under. Next year, hopefully, they're going to go over. So, Berlin, it would have put them over. Lou, is there, barring a World Series win, is there any way for Bloom to look good in the next few weeks and months, or are we going to be criticizing him almost regardless of what happens? Yeah, I think you can criticize, like, the – you know, the trade deadlines and how, like, you know, you always want him to be more aggressive and he hasn't, but I, honest to God, like, we've talked about this the other day, I, I think he's safe and he acted like a GM that was safe. Um, you know, because quite frankly, it it's it has gone pretty well, like, for him, you know, and I know a lot of people say, well, Jesus, fourth place, last place, that's not very well. No, it's not. It's not acceptable for the Boston Red Sox, but where this organization was and what they wanted to accomplish this year and have, some, have build a young core and have some of the guys that he signed you know, actually hit, they did. So it's, I don't know if, I think they're, you know, they'll stick with him and hopefully he's the guy that can kind of now go out and tra- make a big trade for like, the, you know, the Dombrowski thing, the Chris Sale. Go get me an ace. Go sign a big free agent, maybe Yamamoto out in Japan. Now it's like time to take the next step because he's built this thing now and I think it's ready to take off. Lou Maloney with Gresham, Fourier, Hearts in today for Fourier. Lou joins us on the Harbor One Hotline. Uh, when we asked Alex Cora on Wednesday, he uh, said, hey, Sale will be a starter, but in terms of Whitlock and Hauk, we're going to figure out the best way to use those those two guys. What would you do with all three of those cats? Sale would start. I mean, and you bring him back uh, when he's ready to go three. You know, he's going to throw again on Saturday. He's going to join the team probably after that. And he's going to start the game, and he's going to be an opener. He's not going to be an inning and a third opener. He's going to be a three-inning opener. And then I would come right back with Hauk. You know, you go lefty side on guy, three-quarter guy, followed by a Hulk three-quarter guy, and he goes two or three innings. And he, they, that'd be my starter. Like, they would be the fifth starter. And then Whitlock is back in the traditional, I need an extra leverage guy with Schreiber and Winkowski. And he's going to go one inning at a time, maybe two multiples at times like that, because, you know, this is, I think, and if that's the case, then you'd feel pretty good about your bullpen, you know, being able to use Hulk maybe, you know, for an inning here or there. But that's how I'd probably pair him up, all three of them. The uh, Trevor Story um, thing here where he was sort of scheduled to come back and now wants to stay in the minors longer. Uh, What's your read on that? Just him simply needing more work and wanting to be more ready to go before he's in the major leagues? Or or what's your take on that? 
my read is like lesson learned, right? Like um, he's excited to come back. He, for some reason, puts a date August 4th. And this is the reason why nobody puts a date. Right. Bill because, Belichick is like, see, I told you, don't put dates out there. It's stupid. And now everyone's like, ooh, what's wrong with Trevor's story? Ooh, is there a setback? This is exactly the example why you don't do this. You know, it was dumb. Because I, I don't think it's anything big at all. I think that he feels, like, you know, uncomfortable at the plate, which he's going to for, like, you know, the first few weeks. Look at Duvall when he missed two months. And I think there was some boxes he needed to check off or wanted to, getting deep in counts, hitting fastballs, breaking balls, seeing the changeup again. So I, I just I don't think it's anything big at all. Um, I think he'll be back if he's not back. You know, after Toronto series, which I think it would be, it'd be some point during his homestand, he will be back. But it's just a lesson learned. Don't put a date. He will be back here soon. If you're Toronto, Lou, what's the mindset going into this series? Is just is this just another regular season series for them, or they they've been the nail to the Red Sox hammer this year? Yeah, no, they got to win a game. I mean, that's the whole thing. It's like, go oh, forget about winning a series. Let's go win a game, and then we'll go try to win a series after that, right? So, to me, it's and they got to think Manoa game one here tonight. So, <laughs> um, yeah, and that's that's the battle for them. Like, it's it's listen, the Red Sox aren't going to go thirteen zero against them. Right? They're going to lose a game against them. So, but mm-hmm. hopefully, it's just one here this weekend because this is a very pivotal pivotal weekend, you know, against a team that's right in front of you, with especially with your schedule following these guys. And then knowing that guys are coming back as well, like within the next 10 days. So this is a big weekend for them. Lou, you've been in clubhouses as a player, as a media member. You've seen them post-trade deadline go south, go north, uh, spin their wheels. Where do you think this clubhouse is right now after so vocally asking for help and then not getting it? Yeah, I think it is different than last year. I think last year, they, you know, asking for help and watching baskets go out the door to see Reese McGuire come in and, you know, and cost Murray, you're like, what the hell is going on? This is this is different. I think they wanted a starting pitcher, but they also went in there realizing that they could lose Paxton, they could lose Verdugo, they could have lost Turner, they could have lost Duvall, they could have lost Pavetta. So it was like, okay, we're hoping we, we buy, but Jesus, we may sell. And at the end, they didn't buy. But I do think they're really excited the fact they didn't sell anybody. And they still have all their guys. And I think deep down, as much as they wanted to start it, they know that there's some guys coming back in a week as well. So I, I think it is different. There was a disappointment that he didn't get it started, but it was nothing like it was a couple of years ago or last year, rather, um, just because they know that they know they're pretty good and they know they've got four players getting back here in like 10 days. All right, so we know Lou's on the course, and he's probably up on the tee here pretty soon. But one other thing to ask, Lou, <laughs> yeah. 30 years ago today was the greatest yep. confrontation between a batter and a pitcher when 46-year-old Nolan Ryan hit then 26-year-old Robin Ventura, does that go down as the greatest scrum in big league history when it came to a player confronting a pitcher or vice versa? I don't know if it's like the greatest scrum because it could be some wild fights like in years past, but it's probably the best beatdown. You know what I mean? I mean, like, like, you know, how many times you see these hitters charge the pitchers, and next thing you know, everybody runs away, and it's like a scrum, whatever. This was like the hitter got to the pitcher, the pitcher got to the hitter, and he got him in a headlock and just beat the hell out of him. Yeah, freaking, so, I mean, yeah, that, as, as a guy, like, as we've met, had fun and lose expense, as somebody who almost got his neck broke because Pedro Martinez ran like a sprinter the other direction in Tampa, uh, if he would have headlocked Gerald Williams, maybe Lou wouldn't have that kink in his neck all the time now. <laughs> exactly, yeah, so there was – I mean, there was some real, like, big-time fights. You go back in history and show some videos of it. But this was more like, you know, one-on-one. He actually got him, which 
and got some blows in before people got there, right? That was kind of the impressive thing. Izzy Alcantara and Pawtucket oh, was yeah. a good one, too. Kick, <laughs> kicking the catcher was stuff of uh, stuff of legend. That's assault, brother. It is. Lou, hit him straight, brother. We appreciate you. We'll catch you down the road, friend. Thank you. All right, peeps. Hey, there we go. Weekend. There goes Lou. Hit him straight.